Well, good morning. It's so nice to see you. I am uh, really honored to be here. I want you to know as I begin today that uh, I'm sharing from my heart to yours. I am a pastor. I have pastored at Metairie Baptist for 18 years now, and I understand what it means to pastor on, the, on a daily basis. We've been talking, uh, we're going to be talking at this convention about the importance of dwelling, and so I decided, felt led actually by God in these uh, two opportunities I have to share with you about two hindrances that keep us from being able to dwell. And I'm going to deal with one this morning, and I'm going to deal with one this afternoon. The one I want to deal with this morning is the hindrance of busyness. We're going to look in Mark chapter 3, verse 13, and following in just a second. I must confess that Mark is one of those gospels that God has used in my life. I had a professor at Union who led me through it, discipled me through the gospel of Mark. We spent actually two years. I'm so thankful for a man who invested in my life for two years walking through the gospel of Mark. And the result of that is that Mark has come alive within my life to give me that direction to let me hear clearly from God as he speaks to me within his scripture. A survey was done of over a thousand people and they asked, these were a thousand individuals who'd been married 50 years or longer. And they asked, what was the secret? What's the secret to being married, by the way, being married happily for 50 years? They heard lots of things. Uh, For example, the men oftentimes uh, jokingly said things like, they've learned to defer, has been very significant, to ask for forgiveness. But the number one factor in long marriages being happy is time together. It's interesting because when you think about it, I believe it is that same factor that has an impact upon our effectiveness and our walk with Christ and our ministry. And my challenge to you as we meet in this place this morning is that if we're not careful, we become so much more consumed by doing stuff, even doing God's stuff and doing good stuff that we forget that God really just wants to spend time with us. And the priority of our lives before we try to preach or teach or do ministry, before all that, has to come an understanding that God just wants us to be with Him. Now, let me go ahead and tell you, as I speak these words, and even as I was praying and thinking this morning, I'm speaking to a room of people who are extremely busy. I understand. But I also am reminded that if occasionally we don't stop and ask ourselves, what are we doing? We keep doing the same thing, and we keep getting the same results. Maybe what we need to do is just slow down. Listen to what happened in Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Mark tells us this. He says, so Jesus went up on the mountain. By the way, a great place to be with Jesus, consistently withdrawing to the mountain. And there he summoned those he wanted, and they came to him. The initiative of Jesus to call these men. And he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles. These are the disciples, of course. An apostle is one who's sent out with authority. These men have been given a task. And by the way, all of us who are called into the ministry, we are those disciples, we are those apostles. And the reason we're here is because God has summoned us. 
It's not because our mamas thought we would be good at this. It's not because the church felt we should do this. We're here because God has summoned us to this place. And so suddenly they are there. And it says he appointed 12. He called them apostles. And then listen very carefully to what he says. He named them apostles to be with him. To send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. The first time I read through that passage, it made me stop and think, what are we doing? In Greek, order is extremely important. When Paul is speaking to the elders in the church of Ephesus, he tells them, guard yourselves and the flock. Order is important. The only way you can guard your flock is to guard yourselves. In Acts, the description is given in the first missionary journey that Barnabas and Paul went on a missionary journey. Barnabas was the leader. The second missionary journey, just a little ways in, it says Paul and then Barnabas become the Paul and Barnabas went on the journey, meaning that Paul is the leader. Listen to the order that is found in verse 14. He appointed 12 to be with him. You and I are driven to activity. It's a part of what we're called to do. And we read stories like Martha and Mary. And by the way, aren't you thankful for the Marthas in your church? But aren't you grateful for the Marys who are there as well? And I would say that because the world looks at us, they are quicker to judge our Martha actions than they are our Mary hearts. But if you look at the passage, what we discover is that God judges first our merry hearts. God judges us and desires, he longs for us just to have a relationship with him. And so the result is, if we're not careful, we find ourselves doing work. We find ourselves doing the second thing, which is to be sent out to preach and to have authority over the evil the demons and the devil and the works of the world that's out there. If we're not careful, we find ourselves trying to do those with an empty heart because we haven't done what's first. As a matter of fact, what happens then is that we have not spent time with God and we're doing the second thing that's listed here. We grow frustrated. We not only grow frustrated, we grow weary and in all honesty, because we're working with empty hearts, we grow jealous because sometimes our work is not as much recognized as others who are doing the work. And all that is a clear diagnosis that we just need to go back to point one. And to do what Jesus reminds us in this passage that more than anything else, listen guys and ladies, more than anything else, God just wants us to be with him. Think about that. The God who created the universe, the God who really knows you and me, this is the God who just wants to be with us. 
He just wants to spend time with us. Now, here's the truth. The truth is simply this. He doesn't need us. By the way, he created the world by speaking words. He doesn't need us. But isn't it amazing that he desires us? He desires for us to be in that relationship with us. You know, deacons, all of us in this room have had those deacons who have been uh, men of wisdom. And um, at the church I pastored previously, I had a man one time who walked up to me and he said, just remember, Thomas, God really doesn't need you. I wasn't real sure what he meant. I'm still not 100% sure what he meant. But I got a clearer picture because he not only said, you know, just remember, Thomas, God doesn't really need you. And then he followed it and he said, he certainly doesn't deserve you. Listen, y'all, it's the God who doesn't need us and the God who doesn't deserve us, who just wants to spend time with us. He wants us to pull aside. Listen to the psalmist. The psalmist says this in Psalm 62, 1, my soul finds rest in God alone. Psalm 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29 Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My friends, I urge you, based upon what's found within scriptures in a passage that sometimes we read over to get to the list of the 12 who are there, I urge us to stop and discover that what we need to do before anything else is just spend time with God. We need to have that consistent quality time. We need to make certain that we're not too busy preparing a sermon, that we're not giving God the time to prepare our hearts. We need to make sure that as we're seeking to come and do ministry, that we have allowed God to minister to us so that we minister to Him from the overflow what He's already done within us. Now, if you're like me, I love to-do lists. And what I've discovered is that those to-do lists are really long, and they grow all the time, don't they? But you know what? You remember what Martin Luther says? Martin Luther said this. He spent three hours with God each morning. And they asked him the question, how can you do this? And he said this. I have too much to do today to not spend three hours with God at the beginning of the day. We eke out 15 minutes and we, sell, we think that's good. Guys, how would your spouse feel if you eked out 15 minutes every now and then for her? And this is God. This is the God who loves us. And what we discover in the midst of all this is that then our identity is not found in what we're doing our identity is not found in the sermons we preach or the people who respond or the churches we build. By the way, there's words that are, those are all dangerous things right there. But our identity is found in Jesus Christ, and that happens when we spend time with Him. In 2016, many of you will probably remember the Rio Olympics. I love watching the Olympics, you can tell for me. I love watching them. I'm really not a candidate to participate in any of them. But I'll never forget watching the synchronized platform diving. Now, this is really for a guy from uh, Tennessee and New Orleans. This is really out of my, my league. But I watched. There was a guy named David 
Bediah and Steele Johnson. They won the silver medal. I'll never forget after they they were interviewing them. And in the midst of the interview, here's what David Bediah said. He said this. He said, we both know our identity is in Christ. Going into this event, knowing that my identity is rooted in Christ and not the result of this competition just gave me peace. When my mind's on this and I'm thinking I'm defined by this, by diving, then my mind goes crazy. But we know that our identity is in Christ. Listen, when we stop and spend time with God, what we discover is that he is the reason we are here. He is the reason we have life. He is the one who gives us meaning. And it's not found in anything else. But you know what? My identity is found in the simple truth that I am, by the way, not a minister of God. I am a first and foremost child of God, just his child. Let me show you one quick thing. He goes on, he says this. So he says, he appointed them that they could be with him. Don't miss that. We've got to have that time with God. By the way, I think it's important to remember proximity doesn't equal quality. Just because you're around God all the time doesn't mean you're having quality time with him. Still away. Make that priority. Find time for him. But notice what happens then. It says that he would be with him and he would then send them out to preach and to have authority over the demons. Listen, y'all. If we put the second thing first, we're going to be effective or ineffective in the second thing. If we're trying to preach and if we're trying to make a difference in this world that is full of Satan's work, but we haven't spent time with God, we're going to be in trouble. We're going to fail, y'all. And the reason we're going to fail is not because we're not qualified as far as we are with academics or that we can't preach good sermons. It's because there's a heart issue. And we can't succeed. We can't, by the way, better yet, be effective in the eyes of God without making certain that our heart is all that it should be. So listen, I encourage you, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke. Listen, y'all, we need to do that. But before we do that, we need to spend time with God. Here's a great, great reminder. You remember in the book of Acts, suddenly um, Peter and John are on their way to the temple. And when they go into the temple, we all know the song. We sang it as a child. This man asks the question, and they say, we don't have anything. By the way, here's what Peter said. This is Thomas's paraphrase. No disrespect intended, okay? They said, uh, the beggar said, do you have alms? Do you have something that you can give us? And Peter said, are you kidding? I'm a Baptist pastor. I don't have anything. By the way, he had left everything and followed Christ. But he said this, but in the name of Jesus Christ, this is what I've got. Get up and walk. Now, by the way, you remember the rest of the story? This is what I want you to hear. 
I thought about asking you, since it's 9 o'clock in the morning, we should stand up and sing the song Silver and Gold Have I None, but I thought that might be a stretch in this moment. So they go and they, um, the guy walks away. And then in good biblical terms, there was a kerfuffle. You know what a kerfuffle is? They come to Peter and they're saying to Peter, Peter, you shouldn't cause this issue. As a matter of fact, they told Peter, you know what, Peter? You need to not talk. You need, you need to quit this. Quit talking about this, Jesus. And by the way, you've got to remember, who's Peter? He's had some very high moments and some very low moments. But he spent time with Jesus throughout the whole thing. And Peter looks at them and says this. Whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. But as for us, we can't help but speak. But listen to this verse, y'all. Listen to this. As they observed in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, and they understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, They were amazed. Listen. They were amazed and they recognized them as having been with Jesus. Listen. If we're going to be able to dwell in the presence of God, if we're going to be able to dwell upon those things that God's called us to dwell upon that we see in Philippians chapter 4, we've got to get over being too busy for God. My last word to you is this. This is where we discern the difference between good things and God things. There's a lot of good things that need to be done. But sometimes those good things either need to be done by somebody else or not done because it's taken us away from the God thing of just spending time with him. Be encouraged, y'all. Be encouraged, and here's the reason why. Jesus wants to spend time with you. Join me as we pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you first for who you are, for your love and your grace, for your constancy and consistency. And God, I likewise, I likewise, God, thank you that despite who I am, you desire to have a relationship with me just as you've done for others in this room, God. I pray now that you would encourage us, encourage us, God, to Just be with you for those who are overwhelmed, distressed, and discouraged today, God. I pray you would just draw them to you and give them great joy in just being with you. And remind us our identity is not in the last sermon we've preached or the last church we've ministered at. Our identity is in you. We love you, Father. 
for it's in your name we pray. Amen.